0: Welcome to the Recession-Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm Sam Newell, your host, and it is my goal to educate you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. I interview the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they have learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become my goal to help others invest for double-digit returns but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Happy to be here. All right. Well, hey, for our listeners, I wanted to jump right in and let people how we know, know how we know each other. Let's see, I sold one of your neighbor's houses before I knew you, your next-door neighbor's house years ago, and then uh, just started working out at the gym with one of your sons, who then became a realtor and Was going to work for me, but now he works for Edge Homes and he's killing it. And uh, we just started talking investments, right? Correct. Perfect. So so for our listeners, um, this is a little bit different podcast. Blair is a good friend of mine. We've been fly fishing together. We've been hunting uh, jackrabbits together, which is a fun story. But mostly we talk about religion and uh, honestly, investments is 90% of our Our conversation. So Blair owns a number of rental properties, the actual same townhomes that I buy and have sold to over 50 different investors. Blair's situation is just fantastic. He's been very, very good with his money. Prime example of saving and um, not spending in uh, frivolous things and, and being in a really good position to own multiple investment properties. So with that said, Blair, I'm kind of curious, you're not a realtor, you're not a normal investor like I interview on the show, you're not a fund manager, you're not a lender. So this will be for me a re- really refreshing interview. I'm really excited to have you on because you teach religion. Indeed I do yeah so th- so this will be fun. so for those people that don't know me, I'm mormon l d s Church of Jesus Christ, Latter day saints, has a few different names, so is Blair. but he has some really, really neat background on the Middle East, has studied and and been over there, and goes back to jerusalem and all the time. So the first thing I wanted to ask you blair, is is how did you get into that, and what inspired you to study that and and go into education and religious education?
1: So I always knew that I wanted to go to Jerusalem ever since I was a little kid. And uh, and so when I was, and I also knew I always wanted to do graduate work in the Middle East. Okay. And where that came from, I don't know. It's kind of internal, Sam.
0: Okay. So you've always been fascinated with the Middle East and yeah. specifically your religion or just the overall dynamics of the middle east probably religion but the
1: dynamics are absolutely fascinating so my doctoral work didn't have to do with religion it had to do with the dynamics of the region got it and so when brigham young university built a campus on the mount of olives something clicked inside of me i was an undergrad at uh, at byu and i made the decision to go and study there on the mount of olives for a semester and uh, that changed my life in so many ways first and foremost, I met my wife there, cool and uh, and so that's been rewarding.
0: And yeah, Katie's up awesome.
1: that was in that was like nineteen eighty eight. I'm sorry, he's your better half for sure. indeed. <laughs> indeed. So we went in nineteen eighty eight, and that was the first time I went, and I've been going back ever since. Wow. I don't know how many times I've been. I suppose I could stop and count them up, but probably thirty. Wow so booked and ready to go in 60 days if if the virus will will recede uh, which we hope
0: and pray it will uh, but if it and doesn't for right. Right. Listeners, you're, you're talking year. about coronavirus people may listen to this after so it it is april 9th we're we're dealing with coronavirus and so so you've got a trip planned and and you're pretty much on hold until we we figure out if there's a lift on travel restrictions.
1: Correct. Yeah, Got it's it. it's mid June, so if something were to break, sometimes the temperature can end a flu season. I don't expect to be able to go, but the tour is ready to go still. Got it. Whereas there, so everything you else you in April and May back. has been canceled. Yeah, I take people.
0: Okay. Awesome.
1: So I'm either traveling to the Middle East to like speak at a scholarly conference or to guide
0: people through religious sites.
1: Very right? cool. So I want to do like, that
0: with you someday. By the way.
1: Yeah, come. Until you go, you can't quite fathom. If you're a Jew, by the way, happy Happy Passover to mm-hmm. our Jewish listeners. Happy right. Easter to Christians, and uh, happy day to our secularists, uh, non-religious nuns, and so forth. Blessings to all. But once you go there, you finally figure out what the draw is. Okay, and so yeah, Sam, you got to come. Awesome. I would love to. So, yeah, one of the reasons I go back, I've got seven kids, and uh, I've lived in Jerusalem multiple times, and I just keep taking my children back. Um, okay. So they've all been there, and when I went to do graduate work, the timing was perfect. It was right on the hills of a peace accord, the last major peace accord between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. And I was able to dovetail my research into that accord and worked primarily in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip doing research among
0: Palestinians. Wow. So so for our listeners, and I watch, you know, I'm pretty nerdy. I like to watch documentaries. And, you know, if you ask, I feel like if you ask most of my friends, they don't really know what the West Bank is. They don't really know what the Gaza Strip is. So give us a f- 15, 30 second overview of each of those and why that peace accord was so important and, and kind of why that was exciting for you to be able to dovetail into that with your research and your doctorate. Okay. The, uh, the West Bank, between 1948
1: and 1967, the West Bank of the Jordan River belonged to the, the, the Kingdom of Jordan. Mm-hmm. And Gaza, which is about three miles wide and about 50 miles long, it's one of the most populated places, densely populated places on Earth, that's just a little strip of land that was owned by Egypt. And mm-hmm. as a result of a war in June of 1967, both of those sections of property were taken by the Israeli um, defense forces, the army, and that became occupied territory. And so it's never been normalized. It's still occupied. And according to international law, that's illegal. And hmm. So there's always been efforts to 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 res- resolve that. Jerusalem is in the middle of it. So Jerusalem's so, a divided... So we're talking city.
0: about the West Bank and Gaza are both basically occupied territories. Yeah,
1: today the Gaza Strip is an autonomous zone for the Palestinians. So the Israelis pulled out of that okay. um, about 10 years ago. But the West Bank... And again, Jerusalem's a divided city. So you've got East and West Jerusalem. So East is primarily Palestinian. West is primarily Jewish and, or Israeli. And... And so the the conflict is chronic and, you know, President Trump has made his efforts to bring peace to the region, um, getting little of any traction, but he is, he, you know, he's taken a swing. Every president has.
0: I was going to say pretty much every president tries, was, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The last one to get serious traction was Bill Clinton. And what and did he do that's differently? That's what the court was saying. So anyway, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's quite a story, and very few people know the story of the Palestinians. And so it's always fun to introduce that story to people who are interested in it. But that's a conversation for another day. That's a long <laughs> discussion.
0: It's a long discussion. So so hold on. What did what did Clinton do as far as the peace accord? What worked? I mean, it obviously, hasn't worked hundred percent. But why would you say that that was a little bit more effective?
1: Yeah, the peace accord. Yeah, from 93, just the wheels came off of it, unfortunately. Clinton was able to bridge divides diplomatically